Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. We've got a special guest host this week. I don't know if he's really a guest anymore. I think at this point, especially uh, with him having a little more free time now, this is going to be like for the next like three months. I'm hoping that he just becomes just regular co-host. Coach Mike Barracara from UD is back with us. Mike, what's up? What's going on? (laughs) <laughs> we are we are so happy to have you back on, especially because this is going to be I texted this to you uh, a couple of days ago and I was like, hey, listen, like, here's what we're going to talk about today. Do you want to come on and be like, yep, absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm in. So uh, once again, it's going to be one of those days where we talk about soccer, but really not talk about soccer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So, Dwayne, you and I were at a tournament this weekend. Um, the the most I've ever coached in a single weekend. A uh, total of ten games in two days, plus uh, a women's tryout on Sunday night. Um, which, by the way, I was completely, absolutely fried for. I don't know. I'm glad I, I'm, you had, had and you had a D license course at the same time. Um, so, how was your tournament experience? Oh, it, it was interesting. Um, definitely very interesting tournament. Um, you know, definitely shout out for the tournament, getting us in, getting the schedule, getting us the games. First and foremost, but um, Maryland does things a little bit different compared to the rest of the states we travel to um, with parents and coaches sitting on the same sideline. And sometimes we had parents, coaches, and the other team sitting on the same sideline and another set of parents sitting by themselves. Very interesting. Um, they were traveling 45 minutes to game, so it was a very interesting experience. Two-man system referees. Two-man no system. Um yeah, definitely unique. And, you know, just like yourself, I had, I think, six or seven games that we coached. And, I mean, my players, you know, they're starting to figure figure things out. You know, they're starting to understand the concepts we're putting in front of them and just starting to figure out, okay, this is what I need to do. And, you know, try to progress forward. So, you know, continuous development on the boys' side, um, but the results are coming. They're coming. You, they can see on the horizon and, you know, they're developing at a fast pace. Um, yeah, I, I had a pretty good weekend with the, with the three teams that I had, um, the 2010s and the 08s, both, both winning the tournament, which was, which was good, especially for the 2010s, because they, they absolutely just dominated every game. Now they played the same team twice, which is a little random or a little weird, but they, they still dominate every game. Uh, coach Chad made an appearance and coached them the first, the first game, which I thought was, was pretty cool. The, the girls really enjoyed that part of it. Uh, Derrickson was there the entire time. Um, I coached the 06 girls, which they won their first game in like two years or something like that, which was just pretty cool for them. They were, they were very, very happy about that. I'm very excited. Um, and it's a team I had since, you know, I was 10 years old or when they were 10 years old. So I hadn't coached them in, in a couple of years. So it was really cool to, to be back with a lot of those, those girls. Um, and then, uh, something happened, which was uh, which was the first thing that's the first time it's ever happened in my coaching career. Uh, I was ejected from a game. Uh, so uh, so uh, so I'm going to tell this story because I've been telling it all week, and I feel like the more I talk about it, the better. Uh, that I, I just think this this is one of those things, and I actually just sent an email to follow up with a tournament about this because I am not going to let this go. Um, so I'm in my last game of the day on Sunday. Uh, three o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. 
Um, I get there a few minutes after the, the, the game had started. Uh, Derrickson was with the girls at the time. Um, right before halftime, one of our players uh, gets gets hurt. So I go on the field. She's crying. I, I pick her up. We take her off the field. Like, no big deal. Nothing, Nothing's wrong. And then a foul was called against us in that moment. Um, so at halftime, I went over to the referee, uh, mostly because he had stopped the game when we were about to take a free kick at the top of the box that he, he called halftime right before the free kick was allowed to be taken. Um, and he told me that there was no extra time added. So the, the game clock had, had run out. So he was, he was no, no longer adding time. Um, so I, I went over and I asked him, I said, sir, I just want to ask just for clarification, like what happened in that foul that you called against my player who ended up being hurt? I, so I know what to tell my player. Like if she did something wrong, I, I want to make sure I address it with her. And he said, oh, no, um, uh, you know, your, your player and the other and another player from your team sandwiched the player from the other team. And, and that's why, um, you know, that was the foul. And I said, OK, that seems strange considering my player ended up hurt from it. But, you know, that's fine. No big deal. So I'm starting to walk away and he goes, yeah, it was your player. And then he, and he goes, and then the big girl. So he referred to, to one of my players as the big girl. Um, and I did not appreciate that uh, or, or really thought that that was the best way or the best choice of words. So I said, <clears throat> I said, uh, Oh, that big, that's the word we're going to use. Okay. All right. So I'm, and I started to walk away from him um, and he, he, doubles down on the idea that he's not wrong and goes, uh, how else do you want me to describe her? Um, I said, well, I don't know. Jersey number. Like just don't describe her at all. Like you don't like there's no reason to, to make that comment. She's like, well, she's the bigger girl. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, just don't use the word big at all. Just, just don't like, it's, it's that simple. Uh, and again, I'm, and I'm talking to him exactly this tone of voice. Um, which in Duane had seen me the day before, I have no problem quickly raising my voice and flying <laughs> off the handles. Uh, but no, this time I was actually pretty calm and collected. Um, so as I'm walking back towards towards my bench, um, he goes, he pulls out his little book with his cards on it and goes, well, I can just throw you out right now and just give you a red card right now. And I was like, for what? Like for, for me calling you out? Like, because you made a mistake. Now you're going to, you, you want to threaten me, throw me out? Like, all right. I mean, like, I was like, listen, you made a mistake. You used the wrong choice of words. That's it. That's what it comes down to. And he showed, he gives me the red card and goes, all right, well, there you go. Now, now you're ejected. Get out. See you later. Bye-bye. I was like, so as, as I'm walking away again, calmly, I'm like, all right, I grab my bag. The president of the club who's, whose daughter is on the team, like walks over and he's like, yeah, he's leaving. He's leaving. Like, and I was, again, I was perfectly, perfectly fine. So I grab my backpack as I'm walking out. I'm going like, all right, like I'm leaving, but I'm leaving standing up for my player. What you did was wrong. What you did was wrong. What you said was wrong. Um, and that's not okay. Uh, so the parents from the other side, again, because as Dwayne talked about, uh, parents and coaches were on the same side, just on opposite sides of the field. So the parents on the other team were all clapping because I got thrown out because they thought I was getting thrown out for arguing the call, uh, the free kick stopped, the, the, the halftime um, whistle. Um, so they started clapping and then my player, my team, my parents, um, all heard it and they're all cheering for me. They're going, thank you, Sebastian. Thank you. So I sat in the parking lot and, and watched the game from behind the fence next to a post. Um, and after the, after the fact, I obviously went over to our parents and I apologized for, 
for for getting ejected because it, it was never my intention. Again, in 10 years of coaching or 10 plus years of coaching, I've never been thrown out of a game. And that's probably the most common collected I've ever been in a situation against a referee where so um and I apologize to the players afterwards, but I what I explained to the to the parents, and this is the same thing I explained to the to the tournament director when I emailed them was at some point, like we if we don't at the youth level stop this then this, this is the kind of things that we end up talking about when, when they happen at the biggest stage. Um, and we've been seeing it all over, all over the world um, in Europe players walking out. I mean, it happened with uh, in Spain where a player just walked out of the game. Um, and we saw it with, uh, with the Rangers against Slavia Prague, right? Yeah, that was, that was a game. Um, so, so we, we started seeing these comments that are being made um, and they don't have a place in soccer ever. Um, but when we're talking about a U11 girls soccer game, um, it, it was absolutely probably the last place I expected to see it, especially coming from a referee. Um, so yeah, so that was that was that was my that was my big ejection moment. Um, so you know if if uh, if I'm going to be thrown out of a game, to be honest with you, I like defending a player is going to be the way to go. So yeah, so that was that was fun times. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm floored by that. The lack of, the lack of education and, and sophistication and people that are supposed to be in positions of leadership, whether it's coaches or officials, <clears throat> parents, it's, it's wild. Yeah. It just, it, it honestly did not like, again, I, I think the proper, the appropriate reaction when you made the mistake especially when I, when I pointed it out, the appropriate reaction would have been like, say, sorry. Like I, I like it. And I think that was okay. Like if you would have apologized in that moment, um, like I think, I still think I would have sent an email out to the, to find a, find a way to talk to the tournament director and, and speak to the referee administrator. Cause I do think that those are the things that you need to point out. It's not just like, Hey, my bad. And then like apologize and everything's okay. Um, but at the same time, like just flat out thinking that you're not wrong yeah. is the part that I think extremely bothers me. And Just, more deeply rooted issue there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what I, when I told the, what I told the parents is, you know, for me, it was one of those like triggering moments to a certain extent. Like I, and I, I was, I was blatantly honest with them. I said, listen, I don't think I've ever been not the biggest kid on a team. Like I've always been the big kid on the team. Um, so for me, that, that, that kind of brought back uh, a weird like memory. So, um, I think part of it stemmed from there, but at the same time, part of it stems from the fact that again, and, and I didn't bring up at no point, I don't actually think our player realized that who they were actually talking about, which ultimately doesn't really matter. Um, but I just like, uh, this is supposed to be a fun and safe space for, for players to grow and develop. Um, and especially when we, when we are going through, especially at this age where, where kids grow at different rates, you end up with this like really interesting like dynamic, which is where you have kids that are literally a foot taller than other kids on the same team, which is fine. We don't like, we highlight the fact that like, we shouldn't, we talk about it in the sense that like, we shouldn't be afraid of it. Right. Like mm -hmm. if you're really small, you should just know how to understand. You should understand how to play being one of the smaller players on the, on the team. If you're the tallest player on the team, you should understand how to play and be this shouldn't hide from it. Right. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. Um, if, if you're not the fastest kid and we talk about this all the time, like if you're not the fastest kid, that's perfectly fine. Just understand how to, how, what your role is on the team. If you're the fastest, if you're the slowest kid on the team, 
great. Guess what? You're not going to be the winger on the team. You're going to play somewhere else in the field, but you're going to have a role. And we're going to understand that. I'm not going to tell you, hey, I'm not going to put you in a position where I expect you to run 18 to 18. And then I'm complaining when you're not able to run 18 to 18 because you're not very fast or you're, you're, you you don't have the endurance for it, right? Like I'm going to put you in a place to succeed. So it's, it's, again, it's one of those things that I just, I struggle with the idea that it actually happens at the youth soccer level. Um, I, I struggle with the idea that it happens anywhere, but, but I think even more at the youth level where it just flat out should not happen. Like, yeah. like, so yeah. So that was, uh, that was our weekend. Uh, it was good times. Eventful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, um, Friday or Sunday night, we had the, the women's tryouts, the diamonds tryouts. Um, a couple of new players came in, um, a, again, from, from what I could see from my slightly tired, uh, mind, I, I was very, very happy with what I saw. I'm glad Chad was there to, to run it in a little bit and, and take the lead. I think I made one coaching point the entire hour and a half, and, uh, I'm not entirely sure what I actually said. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I think I, I think I, I, I like halfway through my coaching point, I was like, wait, what am I saying? Like, I just, I just forgot what I was actually saying. Started so, falling back asleep. Yeah. I just, I just, I just think right now, like, I think it's a lesson learned. Do not schedule a try. Do not coach sessions right off of a game weekend where you've only coached games. I think that's a difficult transition to do in the same day. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so looking forward to the start of that uh, next tryout is May twenty first, and uh, we're looking to finalize our roster spots relatively soon. Um, yeah, so most most roster spots will actually be finalized before the twenty first, and we'll have a few left for for some players that are coming in that week. Um, all right, so we're gonna move on to uh, the reason why Mike is here. Um, so. So Dwayne and I have been talking about, especially with with things that happened last weekend with the tournament, we've, we've been talking about this idea of the sometimes the things that coaches do um, that go unnoticed. Uh, and obviously, I don't think any of us, any of us here or, or the majority of coaches that do this for the right reasons are ever really expecting the thank yous um, because those are really there's going to be less less no thank yous than than thank yous um, in our lives sometimes. Um, but the, some of the things that happen, um, sometimes there are things that are going really unnoticed um, when we go above and beyond this idea of more than just the number in the back of the jersey when we look at the person individually. And obviously, Mike has talked about that as being a, a standard for UD and the women's team about the idea of culture and personality and, and having the right person that fits fits the program. Um, but what are some of the things that, that you guys... Uh, and I think we ultimately figure this out when, when somebody like leaves our lives and uh, somebody like we stop coaching somebody for whatever reason, whether they graduate, whether they decide to leave, transfer, change clubs or whatever the case is. Um, and they leave and sometimes they leave for the wrong reasons. Sometimes they leave for the right reasons. But what are some of the things that maybe you've experienced in your life, both of you doing and, and, and Mike, and then I'll, I'll go as well. Um, that you're like, man, I wish, I wish they would have realized what I had done, or I wish, I wish I would have gotten a thank you. Um, we always have that feeling. Um, yeah. and sometimes I think we feel guilty for having that feeling. I know I've had, I've had, I've had that guilt of like, man, why do I like, like, why do I feel guilty for wanting to thank you? And sometimes I think it's realizing that like, it's okay to, to feel guilty for them or to, to want to thank you for that moment. Cause that, again, we all 
we all do things that are selfless and times and sometimes to get the recognition or the, the pat on the back and going like, Hey, like just, I just want to thank, thank you for, for everything you've done. Um, but what are some of the things you've, you've gone through in the past? Uh, I don't know who wants to go first, but Dwayne, it's all you, man. Dwayne, you can go first. Um, I mean, I think sometimes I just think that, uh, you know, to the outside person, it just looks like, you know, we set up codes and we're there for an hour and a half session and we show up to games. So I think that sometimes when the parents see like, like the uniform issue we had this year where we couldn't get uniforms in, kids are getting, you know, two black shirts instead of a black and a white shirt, those things. I think just, you know, just the appreciation, like, hey, you know, yeah, we need to get this right. You paid your money for it, but to understand the process that goes along with it, like, hey, we got to contact our supplier, got to figure out what jersey number, we got to figure out what size, like, all those intangibles, like, that go into it. We've just got it, like, I just don't think some people realize that, you know, that's just the top, like, how much stuff piles in underneath, along with our day jobs, our families, our personal lives as well. Just looking at, the other things that we do that, you know, we don't, maybe some of us don't ask for recognition for, but we just do it just because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say um, something that I think I probably noticed far more of once I became a parent um, was I feel like there's just an overall within our society, we're at a point right now where there's just an overall lack of, uh, I, I think we are less empathetic and less compassionate than I think I could ever remember in my life. Um, you know, so I, for me, I, I think the overarching thing is that this is probably not a coaching specific thing. This is probably a society, you know, a, a, a bigger societal issue for sure. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, just changes in generations, changes in, in how, you know, in, in how we parent our kids, changes in influences in our, in our children and influences in our life. Right. Like, I think there's more pressure probably, I think there's always pressure, I should say, as a parent to want to give your kids the best life that they possibly can have. I think that's been around forever. Um, but I think the definition of what that means has changed as generations have changed. Obviously, the access to information. Um, I think the the attitudes of 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 young people growing up has changed with the advent of social media for sure. Um, so I think all of these things kind of combine into this into this situation where. And I'm probably as guilty of it as, as anybody at times. I try to step outside and, and have a bigger picture perspective. But I think sometimes I myself even find situations where I get stuck in like a tunnel vision and something, I don't think something's operating the way that it should operate. And I get frustrated in that moment. And, um, and you do, I, I think something that I've tried to recognize within myself is when I have those moments of frustra frustration, taking a step back, trying to make sure that I see the bigger picture and, and try to recognize everything, like you were saying, Dwayne, everything that does go into it below the surface that maybe you don't see, right? It's for most of these things that we do, it is kind of like an iceberg, right? And 90% of people see what's above the surface, but most people don't see what's below the surface. And um, and I, 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 for myself, try to recognize those things in, in every facet, uh, just so 
I can operate and treat people with a little bit more compassion and empathy, but I just think that we lack that as a society in general. So I think sometimes the simple, the simple gesture of walking out of a, out of a practice and saying, thank you, or the simple gesture of, you know, giving somebody a high five as you're, as you're walking out or whatever, you know, paying somebody a compliment. Um, I have this, this note on my desk actually in my office that's been there since I took over at UD. It's a, it's a note that I wrote, uh, on a, just a post-it note that I have hanging from my monitor, my computer monitor that says, go out of your way to say the unsaid. And, uh, and it's all based off of that. Just, you know, I think sometimes we expect a player, the expectation is a player is going to show up and play well, or the expectation is a player is going to show up and they're going to play hard. The expectation is that a coach is going to run an enjoyable training session. Um, and because that's the expectation, we don't necessarily acknowledge it. When do we acknowledge things? We acknowledge it when it's not what we expect. And so you hear about things when it's not good, but very often we don't hear about things when they are good or they are what we expect. And uh, so I think it's, it's probably pretty deeply rooted for, for sure across our entire society. Cause there is, I mean, like, as you were saying, Dwayne, there is, there is a process and there is a below surface level operation for everything. Um, and the nature of, you know, being in charge of running those processes is that 90% of people don't know that, you know, they don't know what your like, I don't know what your day to day is Dwayne, right? Like you don't know what my day to day is. Um, but I'll look on your website. I'll see the teams that you're coaching. I'll see your results. And you'll look on my website, see the team that I'm coaching, see my results. And then that's how we base our judgments. And, um, and I just think it's something that we need to be real careful about because there's so much more that goes into it. You're you're 100 right. I had a I had a moment yesterday. Um, I took my dog to the vet. He was he we needed to take him to the vet ultimately, um, and then he needed to schedule another appointment for our two dogs. So I'm 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 on the counter at PetSmart talking to the talking to the lady that's that's scheduling the appointment, and she goes, "All right, let me let me figure out." Um, when we can do it. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. So I pull up my phone, like look at the calendar. She's like, well, we're not doing Wednesdays. Like, okay. That's fine. Not a problem. Um, like, you know, the earliest we can do is like May 31st, May 20th, May 29th or May 20th, whatever. It's like, yeah, that's fine. Not a problem. Like I like whatever works for you. We can, we can make it work. And she goes, um, thank you so much for saying that. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, just thank you. Like, just thank you for, for, for being okay with that, with that day. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like ultimately like, I, I like you're, I could only go by the dates you give me. Right. So like, she's like, you would think, right. So in that small moment, it's the idea of the appreciation for just the, for the person that's ultimately trying to do their job. Right. They're looking at a calendar. They're te- giving me the best possible appointment. Right. No one's sitting there going like, all right, how far can I push this, this guy to see if I can get a reaction out of him? Like ultimately, right. Like we all think that like people just really just out are out there just to screw with us. Right. Um, and I think it's like what Mike said, right? It's a side of thing. Like we all think that at times that like people just do things on purpose to mess with us just to see what kind of reaction we would get. Just because someone's really going to take the time out of their way to go, you know what? We have an appointment available next week, but you know what I'm going to do just because I feel like it? I'm going to give them an appointment three weeks from now just to see what happens. <laughs> like, like I just don't like, I don't understand. Um, I, so, you know, and it's that idea of thank you. And I, it brought me back to a moment when, when I was listening to Dwayne talk to his players after a game 
Um, so the surface that we played on this past weekend wasn't wasn't the best. It was a little bit really high grass, so it's ultimately adjusting to to playing. Uh, and when the ball's going to be, so it's going to roll short. You know, sometimes you have to hit the ball a little harder, right? It's ultimately, that adjustment you have to make. Um, but Dwayne brought up a point to his players about appreciating what we have in our fields. Right, so we have the we have the luxury of playing on Bermuda fields. That yes, yeah, sometimes we the, the grass is not always green. Uh, as right now, it's taking a little longer to, to for the Bermuda to kick in. Um, but we we have the ability to play on a surface that that is somewhat level. That the sh- the grass is short, so it plays quick. Right, it allows us to play our style of play the way we wanted to. Um, but we always find the way to complain about it. Right, like if it rains and we cancel practices because we don't want to tear up the fields. We find something to complain about or we hear the comments of like, well, why can't we train in the rain? Like, why can't we find a turf field? Well, because A, it's not just easy just to find a turf field. B, yeah, we could go and train when when the fields are are, are a little bit wet, but then what are the ramifications of that for the future, right? So we can train today and then three months from now not be able to train for a week. Right. Because then because the or or you're going to show up and it's a dirt pit because we trained that one day mm-hmm. or that culmination of those couple of days that it rained. Um, so I think it brought it back to for his players to realizing that. Like, man, like sometimes I just got to appreciate what I have. Right. I, I I talked to my high school players. A few weeks ago, we we were moving a goal and they got muddy. And I talked to, I told them I said, listen, we have a game tomorrow. Like, I want you to to make sure you're you clean your cleats before tomorrow. Like, I don't want to see mud on your cleats tomorrow. Like, I like we're going to step on a turf field tomorrow. Like, I don't want mud all over the place. I just don't want it. Like, well, why does it matter? Well, what do you mean, why does it matter? Like, it doesn't, maybe not doesn't matter to you, right? It, because, because you don't really care about it. But it matters to me. Like, it should matter to you, right? Respect what you have, right? Yeah, you have to move a goal in the mud. That sucks. Yeah, like, why can't somebody else move it? Because you're the one using the goal. Like, why does somebody else have to move it when you're the one using the goal? Like, it's our team's goal. Move the goal. Like, it's not anybody's job. Like, oh, why is it in here? Because it is. I don't know. Because somebody put it there. And then they try to build a fence on the inside of the field. And the goal ended up on the outside. Oh, well. Like, we just got to live with it. Like, we can sit here and complain about it. Do you ever do you ever find yourself just blaming Dwayne in those moments? I do. I I well actually I found, I I blamed Dwayne yesterday. There was there was two goals that were unlocked, uh, and I texted Dwayne because I knew he was there the night before, and I said eleven v eleven goals are unlocked, uh, and then he texted me back the name of another coach. <laughs> so I texted the other coach and I said eleven v eleven goals are unlocked, uh, and they texted back sorry. <laughs> you remember where you told me to train. <laughs> I don't know. The field to stay I, off of. Yeah, you know, no, I agree with you. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I just, you know, I think, I think we sometimes, you know, we we've all experienced it with players. And I think this is the hard part um, when you take a lot of time and energy, right? So when when the, you get those text messages, those emails, those phone calls from parents going like, I don't know what's wrong with my kid. Why is my kid not getting better or whatever it is, right? Um, or you're answering 150 random text messages or emails going like just to answer the same question that you had already answered on a club on a team wide email, right? Like what uniform are we wearing? Those small little things sometimes that you end up answering because you just do it, right? Like no one likes to at times do it, right? I don't like to answer the same question five different times, but sometimes I have to. Why? Because it's my job. Like that's that's what I ultimately decided to do with my life. Um, I think it even goes beyond the idea of 
that's what I get paid to do. I just think it's my responsibility. Um, so, so you end up taking care of, of players, right? So if a player's hurt, you go out of your way to make sure you check that they're okay. You, you go to, you go out of your way to make sure that they have the best possible. I have a player who's dealing with, with a heel issue. Um, so I went to my sister who, who's a, who's a sophomore at UD, who was a gymnast her entire life and, and has gone through some of the same things. And she's, she's, she's doing a sports science major. So I was like, Hey, like I have a player that's going through this. Like, it seems similar. Like she's like, isn't that what you had? She's like, yeah, that's what I had. I was like, like, what, like, what can, what can you do like about it? And she goes, well, you can stretch against the wall. Like I was like, okay, well, can you send me the video or, or video or, or uh, like a picture of the stretch? She's like, well, they can just look it up on the internet. I was like, no, 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 hold on. Let me back up. I'll repeat myself. Can you send me the video and what to do? And she's like, but they can, I was like, no, no, no. I don't think you understand what I'm saying to you. Like, I want you, I'm asking you for your help, right? Can you help me by finding the right video, right? The one that you think will work because you've gone through this. So then I can send it to their parent, right? So she, so she kind of surprised me, like in the middle of practice, I got a text message from her with, with a video and a picture and this other like thing that the parent could buy. So I sent it over to the parents and say, Hey, listen, like my sister kind of went through this, like give this a shot in my, in my help. Um, thanks. At this point, we're willing to try anything. Right. So that was the response from the parent. Great. Fantastic. And that's, but those are the examples of, you know, we all, we all have a hundred of those or hundreds of those examples of just going above and beyond. But then there, there comes the next moment of like, Hey, I'm no longer playing for you. I'm leaving your club. Why? Oh, well, because our team lost four games in a row. Like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> like, what about all this other stuff that we did? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like that, or, or, uh, oh yeah, I think that's the best place for us. Okay, well, why? I don't know. Well, hold on. Like, you trusted me with all these other things. You're having doubts about this. Why not come to us? Like sometimes we feel like this this like weird thing that like coaches are not you're not allowed to talk to coaches about when you're struggling, right? Or you're only you're only allowed to ask coaches when when they you need something from them, but like when it's a really tough decision, that's the one time we don't talk to them, right? That's a time when I get an email telling me I'm going to get try out instead of talking to me in person, right? Um like come have the conversation. What am I what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do? Turn around and go like, well, no, get, hey, guess what? Don't bother trying out for this other place. You might as well hope for you make the team because you're no longer playing here. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, again, I don't have enough time in my day to go out of my way to not be a nice person. Like, I don't have enough. Like, it it, it just, it doesn't work that way. Um, I think to go on that, I, I think having that conversation with your coach, is that a conversation with a player this week? similar to what you're saying, not really saying he was leaving, but Hey, I'm going to try out. Hey, that could be an honest, like for me as a coach, I'm going to give you an honest assessment at that point of what I think, where I think you fit and what you need to work on. Cause I feel like that's my job to say, Hey, you know, yeah, go try out. I think you would be great as like a winner. Like make sure you kind of look at that specific area and you know you really struggle transitioning back to defense. So you know, make sure you transit like you work on that transition to give that player something. So it's not like you're leaving with nothing. You just leave it out of spite. But hey, my coach told me to work on this, and you know maybe that sticks in the back of my head. 
when you go to that trial, you say, hey, this coach never gave me any feedback. My coach knew I was leaving, and he left me with feedback. So, you know, he truly cares about me, where this coach may not say anything to me. And, you know, maybe he doesn't really care what I do. He just sees me as the number on the back of the jersey. I think parents have to understand, you know, we care about all of our players all the time. But then when you give us that email or whatever, that just shows you just kind of just went out the door without any like closure almost. Like you just kind of just left us in the middle of the night and just said, you know, we're out of here. It's like, we never get that closure, you know, kind of leave us scrambling. What do we do? Like, how do we fill spots? Like if if it's a lot of players, just have the conversation with us. Like, like you said, we're not going to strike you down and ban you from the club and say, you know what? This person is at Middletown Village, call the police, get them out of here. You know, it's a friendly environment. We care about the development, but we also want to leave you with something as well. Uh, Mike, what, um, and I was thinking about this as was doing was talking there. What happens with the players that don't make it? Right. So like and I'm and I'm sure, you know, obviously the amount of players that want to play at UD are not the ultimately number of players that actually play at UD. So what happens when you have to have those tough conversations? Um, with those players, like what, what happens, what, what's ultimately your goal as you, as you have those tough conversations? Yeah. You know, obviously we've had a, a few, there's a, there's a few different scenarios that can happen, right? You can go through a recruiting process and you, you, you come to the ultimate conclusion that maybe they're not the right fit for your program. Uh, you could have somebody on your team and then they don't make it through four years uh, for whatever reason. Um, so there's a couple of different ways that you can look at it. I mean, I, I think over my 20 year career, it's, it's ran, I I've seen it. I've seen every probably different scenario that you could possibly imagine. Um, and I would say even over my four years at UD, as you build a program, you're gonna, you're gonna have roster turnover. I think even the most successful programs in the country, when you look at Florida state, uh, when you look at North Carolina, um, you know, when I was at NC state, I mean, we had attrition every year because roles are constantly being defined, redefined. Um, and I do think, uh, attrition is, it's a normal thing. Uh, I do think it's normal. I think it's a, I think it's a healthy thing. Um, you know, it, sometimes it get, sometimes things work themselves out the way that you hope they will. Um, and sometimes they don't. And what I would say is I've never gone through a process of telling a kid no in a recruiting process or removing a player from my roster with any type of ill intention towards that kid or the family. I just never have. Um, that's not always how it's taken. And, and I get that. It, you know, when you're in the moment of that process, there's always going to be emotions that are attached to it. So I never go into that process expecting that the reaction is going to be a great reaction um, because I know that there's going to be an emotion attached to it, right? Like every kid who um, wants to get recruited and is playing at a good club thinks they're good enough. And every kid who is on the team already um, thinks that, you know, they should be on the team all four years. I don't think anybody goes in saying, Hey, I'm going to get myself, you know, removed from the roster after two years. Um, you know, so I know that there's emotion attached to it. And I know that that, that initial process is going to be an emotional one. What you hope is that 
you hope that somewhere down the road, the light bulb goes off for that kid or that family and that they understand, they look back on a situation and say, okay, now I get it. Um, you know, something happens, some type of defining, def- you know, events happens and they look back on it and say, okay, I, I finally get it. Right. Um, I've had kids that have sent me emails five, six, seven, sometimes 10, like 10 years later of like, Oh, remember how the last time we spoke, it was a really bad conversation. I, I, I finally understand where you were coming from in that moment. Um, and I would say one of the best situations that I had here at Delaware was it was a really difficult roster removal. Uh, we removed the kid from the roster. It was, it's not easy. I never take those things lightly um, because I know you are impacting the kid on some level. Um, and probably about a, a little less than a year after I removed her from the roster, I had a, a note that was slid underneath my door in my office. And I showed up at work one day, opened up my door, and there's this envelope sitting there. And I opened it up and it was a, and it was a thank you letter from that kid of, you know, I understand, I get it. Um, I've had time to reflect, um, you know, I appreciate you. Um, and obviously you hope that the light bulb goes off at at some point. Um, you know, because I, I would say that's probably the, the biggest, most misunderstood thing about coaches, especially at our level where, you know, college sports are professionalized to a degree, right? Um, Is that if a coach cuts a kid, then the coach didn't like the kid. And that, and that's just not the case. I mean, I, I honestly can't think of a single time where I cut a kid because I was like, man, I really, I just really don't like that kid. That's not, that's not the case. You know, it's, it's, it's always usually more than that. And, and, and I will tell you that for me, it's always been a situation of, um, I know it can be a learning experience for that kid. And I, and I wish, and I, and I hope that they learn and I wish them nothing but the best moving forward, uh, which is why, like, I've never had a kid leave my program and then like hammer that kid, like, or, or have a kid transfer out and coaches call and I hammered, like, it's not, it's not like that. You know, for me, that's not the, that's not the way that it is. Um, and I think so- you and I've had, you and I've had the conversation where you've actually, helped kids ultimately try to try to find their other place. If it wasn't UD, you try to figure out like, all right, if it's not UD, what, let me help you figure out what that another, that other place is. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that we have had kids that have moved on before their four years were up at Delaware and have moved on to successful careers elsewhere. Um, I am really proud of that. Um, you know, there's a young lady who started here who's now, you know, uh, in the ACC, we have one going to the SEC. Um, we have some kids going to, you know, that, that leave sometimes to go to big, bigger, bigger quote unquote schools. And that's the nature of being at a mid major, I think, is that we're not a power five. So if you recruit well, you're going to probably lose kids every once in a while. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, but I am proud that they move on to really positive, uh, and successful experiences. Um, and to be honest, I'm just as proud of those kids as I am of, you know, our players that make it through four years here at Delaware. I think, I think every, every experience is, is a person's unique experience. And I think it's an experience that should be celebrated. And I don't think any of them, I don't think that it's my job to put, to create lanes for people to have experiences in. 
You know, that's not my, that's not my job. And it's not my job to define whether an experience is right or wrong or good or bad. Um, it's everybody's, it, it's every individual's job to create the experience that they think is best for themselves. It's my job to support them and prepare them. And, um, so yeah, I've had, I've had a, a few kids at every school that I've coached at that have moved on and, and I've been happy to help them. Um, if, and be honest with them through the process of what I felt, you know, like, listen, I really care about you and I really want you to be successful. And this is why I may think that school X, Y, Z is a good fit for you. And this is why school A, B, and C is not, um, from my perspective, you make the best decision for you either way, I'm going to support you. And, um, you know, I, I would say for me, that's, you know, as we go back and we talk about like the ideas of appreciation and thank yous. I think probably the biggest thing for me is the misconceptions of being a coach that um, that it's about ego because it's really not. Um, I think it's honestly, I think leading in any facet, whether you're leading as a coach, whether you're leading um, as a manager within a company, whether you are leading as a parent, um, whether you're leading, you know, as a mentor in some role, I think leading is one of the most selfless things that you can do because I what I've learned from being a leader is you will always hear about it when you're wrong and you will very, very, you will not very often hear about it when you're right. Um, so it's leading is a really difficult position to be in. And I think that there's a lot of misconceptions that go along with it, that it's about pride, that it's about ego, that it's about glamor, that it's about, um, you know, um, individual success, um, that all we care about is winning. Uh, when I would say winning is one of the things that's probably lowest on my totem pole, to be honest, um, that it's about liking and not liking, right? Like how I manage my team is based on the players I like versus the players I don't. That, that is such a fallacy. It's crazy. Um, it's interesting. Sometimes <clears throat> players think about this idea of favorites, right? <laughs> oh well, oh well, because that's coach's favorite, or that's that's uh like that's like sometimes it's interesting to especially from a from a youth level, um this idea of winning is is like, oh well, you know, if if coach doesn't uh start his favorites, then then you know he he doesn't win or or whatever the case is, or or winning is all he really cares about. And I'm like my conversation with every parent, especially at the nine v nine age group, um, which is the, when I always have that that's that conversation of like, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, we are going to lose games this year, and not only that, we are going to lose games because we are looking to develop your player to play at eleven v eleven. We're not looking for your player to be the best nine v nine player or team ever. There is no nine v nine World Cup. Doesn't really matter to me. I don't, I, it, I don't not, I do not care. And all the parents are like, wait, what do you mean? Like, you're going to like admit to the fact that you're going to lose games. Yes. Because we are going to play a team at some point this season that is going to be better than us at playing nine V nine soccer. Like they might not be a better team than us. They might, they like, we might be matched up perfectly, but they are going to be better at playing nine V nine soccer. And you're going to turn around and go, why didn't you try to win that game? And my reaction is a, I always try to win the game. There's not a single game that I've stepped in going like, eh, great day to lose. Um, B, you're right. B, never, never am I going to put the the process or the result over the process, right? Like it's about the process of it. It's about the development of it. 
at the end of the day, we are here to impact players' lives for a short period of time in their life, right? Mm-hmm. The reality is, is that the majority, right? The majority of players will be done playing by the age of 18. The minority will move on to play at the next level. And that minority will stop playing by the time they're 21, 22, right? And then the extreme minority will continue to play. Because and hopefully that that starts to change a little bit as more opportunities become available, especially in women's soccer, um, where more opportunities for players to continue developing, continue playing, which I think is it's ultimately the right move. We have 150 million one and one leagues and divisions in men's soccer, but not in women's soccer. So hopefully that 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 continues to change. Mm-hmm. But the majority of our players will stop, especially at Delaware Union, almost club speak club specifically. The majority of our players will not play in college soccer, right? Out of our roster, if you can get a quarter of your players to ultimately play college soccer, that's fine. That's great. Fantastic. Our goal is not to get every single player to play college soccer. Our goal is to get every single player that wants to get to whatever their next level is to get them to that level, right? Our goal is to make the player that wants to be their best, the best high school player on their team, help them achieve that goal. Our goal is to make the the kid the most the, the most prepared they can be when they go to college just to go to college good that's our goal our goal is to make that kid just a better person good that's our goal and if our goal and we if we have four or five players that ultimately want to play college soccer that's our goal like we will try to do that for them we will do everything we possibly can to get them to that level at no point in there is it say our goal is to win more than we lose is it to uh you know score uh, 10 goals a year off of headers and bicycle kicks. Uh, is it to to develop uh, all Americans and, and all these other things? Like that's not our goal. Like, and and maybe other people have that goal, and that's fine. Like that's perfectly fine. There are clubs in the country that their number one goal is to win as many games as possible and put the most competitive team on the field. Great, good for you. But I think the hard part is knowing what your truth is, right? Like, what is your why? Like, and be honest with your why, like we, we have been pretty comfortable in our own skin of like this idea of like, here's why we do things. We're not going to hide. We're not going to say we're going to do a and do B and C. Right. So I think, I think from a, I think for, for the development of soccer um, at the youth level, and hopefully that carries over to everything else, because you end up seeing like Mike, you end up seeing the trickle down effect of what we do wrong or right at the club level. Right. From a, not only from a technical perspective, like on the actual player's ability, but also from the, the from the the psychosocial development of it, right? If that kid is mentally prepared or not to go to college soccer, whether they're able to play or not, is it, like. Um, but I think once we all understand what we're really here for and own it, mm-hmm. I think we're all going to be in a much better place. Yeah, I mean, I think I think probably the most underrated part of what we do is the personal development soccer development aside, right? I I think the soccer stuff is so overblown and I think it's so over, um, I think it's, I I just think it's so overblown by people. I think people are so kind of, we got to chase the best club experience. We got to get, you know, we got to pay the most amount of money for a youth coach. We got to do, you know, 60 individual sessions a week on top of what we're doing as a team. We have to, that's not, no, we need to develop good people. And, and, if you, if you bet on good people, they will find a way to make sure that they never let you down. 
and and I think that's the I think that's the most important thing. You know, like one of the best players that I've ever had the privilege of coaching played for a tiny no-name club in South Jersey and is legitimately one of the best players in the world right now. And but you know what what's not lost on me is that I don't think she's one of the best players in the world because she's this unbelievably gifted soccer player. She's an unbelievable person. And anybody that knows her knows her attitude is consistent as gravity. There's never been a time where I was around the kid where she wasn't one of the most positive, happy people out on the field. And I'm not naive to the fact that I'm sure every day wasn't a blast for her, right? Like I'm sure she had tough days just like we all do. Um, but she cared enough about herself and about the people around her. Uh, and she was mature enough to find the best in everything. She didn't need this, you know, quote unquote, elite level club experience. She didn't, she made the most of every experience that she had because of the person that she is. And her personal development drove her success on the soccer field. And I always knew that she would find a way to come through for us when we needed her to, because I just knew she cared. Um, And I think that is the biggest thing. And that's, that is what I try to do with our players. I try to drive personal development, not just the soccer development. Do I want the players to come and fulfill their goals as soccer players? Yes, I do. Um, But I believe that they can do that through developing as people. Um, and I think that we're missing, I think I would be missing a massive opportunity to maximize their development. If all I focused on was what they're doing with the ball and not how we're developing them as people, you know, am, am I aiding them in their ability to, to, to have healthy perspective, right. And not have, not get stuck in this tunnel vision. Can they see the bigger picture? Um, you know, uh, those things are, those things are critical. Uh, they're, they're, they're critical. It's a huge part of it. And I think if, if I do a really good job of continuing their development as people, I think they're going to be successful. And, and I don't think I need to win a soccer championship to prove that. I think we need to pump out really good people. And if one day Delaware fires me because we don't win enough championships here, if I feel really good about the people that we're pumping out on a, on a yearly basis, um, that these are really good kids that are having a positive effect on people around them that walk out of this program, knowing it's important to care about other people, then I think I'm doing my job and I'll walk away and I'll say, okay, fine. Um, it is what it is. I get it. Results are always going to be a part of my job, but, um, but nobody could ever knock me for having kids coming out of the program that don't, you know, you know, to be honest, don't give a shit about other people. I think the kids that leave here, I think they care. And, um, and I think that is what I hang my hat on that. I'm glad that we have an environment that brings that out in those kids. Yeah. I think soccer is like the perfect, you think about the perfect sport. Like you think, Hey, you got 10 other people you have to work with to achieve a goal, which is to beat the other team. Right. So already you've got to work inside a team just like you would, you know, after you're done playing at a job, right. We got to work with coworkers, People under you, people that may be better than you, things of that nature. And it's just, you know, working together and you think about, you know, the responsibilities we put on players. Hey, get there 45 minutes before the game. Meaning, hey, make sure your parents know 
45 minutes before the game doesn't mean get in your car 45 minutes before the game. But coach wants to be at the field ready to warm up 45 minutes before the game. Right. So like these life lessons we're teaching kids where it's like, oh, yeah, he just wants us here early just to do this warm up. This is silly. But really, we're telling you, you get a job, you need to get there early so that when it's actually time to start, you're on top. Or, you know, wear the all white uniform. You know, if your job asks you to wear something specific to make sure you pick out all the right pieces, you don't show up to the game wearing black socks and, oh, coach, five minutes before the game, couldn't find my socks. Mom said we had to roll so we could get here on time. It's like, you know, just being prepared, being responsible, working with a team, all these, like, life lessons that are engraved in the game of soccer just makes it, you know, the, the, the lovely game or whatever, what do we call it? The best beautiful, game the beautiful game. A beautiful game. There we go. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the idea of social responsibility, right? And I think that that's where, um, at times, I think as a society, even as a as sport being a microcosm of society, we struggle to find that balance between personal success and social responsibility. And and obviously, right? Like every every person has a social media account where you want to celebrate your personal successes. Um, but we got to make sure and personal successes should be celebrated and people should be celebrated for the individual things that they're doing. I think those are all great things. And, um, but I do think that there's also this, uh, on the other hand, you have to find the balance between what's best for me and what's best for we. And that's what I feel sometimes we're a little bit out of whack where the per the personal success becomes more important than the social responsibility. And, and when that happens, everything everything crumbles. Right. And, um, and I think you see, you, you see that globally, right. Not to get like, I, and I'm not going to get political, but what I will say about global politics is, um, capitalism is great, but if you are 100% capitalistic without any socialistic ideas behind that capitalism, your, your country's going to crumble at some point and vice versa. Right. So you have to find a balance of those two things. Um, and, and life is the same way. You have to want to be successful for yourself, for sure. You have to be driven. Um, but you also have to see the value in the all boats rise mentality um, of, of, you know, how fulfilling it can be when everybody else around you is successful, too. I asked um, I, I posed this question to my team uh, a few weeks ago. I said, what, what would happen if uh, if I showed up after you did every practice? What would happen if I showed up after you did it every game? What would happen if you showed up to practice and uh, and you were all sitting there for five minutes and when I showed up, or I was already there, but I hadn't set anything up? What would what would happen if I if I did that? You know, maybe once once or twice, you know, something happens, you know, I'm running late, whatever it is, life happens. But what if consistently you showed up to practice and for the first 15 minutes of the practice, I was setting up practice? And like I asked them that question, what would happen? And they're like, well, you know, that would be pretty disrespectful. Like you would see that you're not prepared. Right. So what makes you think that it's allowed, right? Or that it's, that it's correct for you to show up 10 minutes after you should show up. Right. What would like, and again, I get it. Like I told, I told my, my group of U11s yesterday. Um, I understand you don't have, you don't drive yourselves, right? You You really don't. So, but you're old enough to understand what uniforms you have to pack in your bag right? What you have to double check, right? Maybe mom and dad or whoever packs your bag. Sure. That's fine. But it's your responsibility to double check that bag, right? 
not anybody else's, right? It's your responsibility. You show up when you got two color socks on. I'm I'm coming after you. I'm not coming after mom and dad, right? My responsibility is on you to figure that out. Mom and oh, dad my, don't know what shit guards look like. <laughs> right. Like, oh, my mom packed. No, no, no. Who's playing? Is mom playing? No, mom's not playing. Dad's not playing. Grandma's not playing. Grandpa's not. The dog isn't playing. <laughs> right. You're the one playing. Right. So. But but it's that question of like what would happen, right? So like Mike, it was the same thing with you, right? What would you what would happen if every single time your player showed up to practice at UD, you showed up 10 minutes after they did and like nothing was set up? I was there for one of your practices. Everything was set up before any kid showed up. Yeah. And that and that's a that's a huge difference, right? It's the idea of saying thank you or or saying good morning before when you show up, right? I make a point um to try to talk to as many of the players as I, as I see, like when I get to practice um, my players are doing a Rondo or a welcoming game or whatever. I make a point to just walk around the fields and say hi to as many kids as I can and just say, Hey, what's up? How's it going? Like, and then uh, with my players, I try to go a little bit further just because I get to spend a little more time with them, but I'm like, Hey, how was school? Like, how, how's your day? Like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Like, you know, you, you, you three days ago, you were talking about this project or this test. How'd that go? Like, what is it going to mean the grant like a big thing for me no not really but i know it'll mean something to them right mm-hmm. and that's what i try to explain so the majority of my of my u13 girls is helping with our discovery program which is our three u3 to u6 program um so the majority of them show up at like five o'clock uh and and work with these three to six year olds for for an hour and a half or for 45 minutes and then for another session for 45 minutes and i walk around with them and i'm like hey how's it going like oh we're having fun we're having a blast i'm like thank you what do you mean? Like, thank you for showing up. Like, thanks for coming out of here. Like, you don't have to. You're 13 years old. You don't have practice till 7.15 in the afternoon. Yet you showed up two hours and 15 minutes early to help out a bunch of three-year and six-year-olds. Like, is that going to mean a ton to you? No, maybe not. Maybe it's just it's good to get some service hours. You know, if you're trying to get into National Honor Society or all that stuff. But what that means to that three-year-old, right? The impact that you have on that three-year-old the impact that you don't know who that three-year-old is going to ultimately turn out to be, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or what that impact does to that three-year-old, right? You know, I, I look at it from my daughter's perspective. Like, my daughter goes out and goes into the Discovery Program on Saturday mornings. All I ever hope for is that she stays focused for five more minutes every single practice. <laughs> just, I just, you know, if, if last week it was 20, this week I want 25. You know, that's that's all I want. That's the feedback that I asked for my wife, like, and then I asked her, what did you do? Last week, she said, I played soccer and then I laid on my backpack and fell asleep. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Because I was tired. All right, cool. Like, that's fine. Um, but then she was like, oh, we were pirates. I was like, awesome. Great. Like, what do pirates do with soccer balls? And then she was telling me, I'm like, fantastic. That's awesome. Like, do I do I, do I hope my kid play soccer? Absolutely. Like, I 100% like I have the same parent, the same dream that every other parent of any other like young kid has, especially when they want him to play soccer, right? Like I want my kid to be the fastest kid on the field. I want my kid to somehow no longer be right-footed and be left-footed. Uh, <laughs> and, and I want my kid to have to, to be able to play at anywhere she wants to play. Right. Like I have that dream just like anybody else. Am I realistic? Sure. Like, is that probably going to happen? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But my job isn't necessarily to drive that dream. My job is to just be like, hey, do you have fun today? Yeah, great. Fantastic. You want to go back out next week? Yeah. All right, cool. Like, go out there and have fun. But like when you're out there, right, 
Did you say hi to your coaches, right? Did you say thank you to your coach when the time is, when practice was done? Those are the things that are important, right? Like when I go to the, when I go to a coach and I see her on Tuesdays, I don't say, Hey, did my kid do the pullback? Did she do it? Did she do the pullback? Was she better than everybody else doing the pullback? Tell me she was better than everybody else doing the pullback. No, it was like, Hey, did, did my kid say hi to you? Right. Was she engaging? Did she say thank you at the end of practice? Was she behaving? Was she acting like a clown? Like, like that's all I really care about. Like that's, that's all that matters to me. Yeah. If, it, if she does a pullback, great. Fantastic. Like my, my mom will be so happy. My dad will be so happy when I send them a video of her doing a pullback. At the end of the day, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Um, so, yeah. So I think we could, we could probably talk for a long time about this. Well, let, let me, let me ask you this one question, Sebastian, yeah. is this something I'm, I'm curious about? How much does it mean to you as a, as a coach, as somebody in a leadership position, when you do get that genuine thank you from somebody? Um, I, I, and we've gotten it a few times. Uh-huh. Um, we've gotten a few emails. Dwayne's been copied on a few of those emails cause he's been included in those, in a few of those. Um, it, it means a lot. Like I will, I will tell you that it, it probably at times it validates it right? It validates a little bit of, of what you're doing. It means you're going in the right direction. Um, but I think beyond that, I just, it makes you want to continue to do it. And I so think, then, sorry, go ahead. No, I, that, I think that's it. Like it just makes you, it, it, it's basically, I look at it as a video game, right? So when you're playing a video game, I play Mario. I like Mario. Um, ultimately you're going to, at some point fall and you're going to lose. So ultimately you want to make sure you have enough live stack, like saved up. So that way, if you fall, you're good. Um, that's how I look at it, right? Like for me, it's extra lives. Anytime I'm feeling down, anytime I need to pull something out of a, something to refuel my fuel tank, we'll talk about fuel tanks there. Um, so when I need something to refuel my fuel tank, that's where I pull it from. Like I save them. I bank all those emails. I bank all the thank yous. And then I pull them every time I need them. Every time I feel doubt, I pull them from there. So now, but then as a leader, you also know that inevitably you're going to get the other emails, the absolutely, other, the yeah. other side of it. Right. And that's all, like to the point where it's, it's expected, it's going to happen. So now imagine if we could flip flop those two things. Imagine if we could get to a point where it was expected, where you were getting thanked for what you were doing so often that that became the expectation and the negative was not the expectation. How much of a change we could, how different our environments would be, how different, like our microcosm, how much different it would, could we tap into even more potential? Does that empower people who already care about what they do? They care about it enough to deal with what they are currently expecting, which is negative. Could we empower those people to be even better at what they do? Because we know it's going to be appreciated. Think about, think about that. It's, oh, it's, it's massive. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I had this conversation with my wife um, a few times when, when, again, when, when a group of players that maybe you've had for a long time end up leaving and, and they don't leave in the best terms or they don't, again, you don't get the thank you or you don't get the appreciation. And, and she's like, why do you do this to yourself every single time? Like, why do you continue to like be affected by it? And I, and I think my response has been the same recently. I said, it's because it's the reason why I do it, right? Like the moment, the moment I'm not phased by it, 
right? The moment I just accept it for what it is and just move on and just accept, almost accept the rejection, right? The moment, I think it goes to your point, Mike, like I think the moment you accept the rejection, the moment that you accept that things are never going to change the moment, like it's the moment I told her, I was like, the moment I don't get affected by it, the moment I don't get emotional about it, it's the moment you need to tell me you need to find a new career. You need to find a new job because like, clearly I'm not no longer doing it for the same reasons that I was when I started it. Right. Like we don't, for us to, at some point, and I've had this conversation with, with, with Chad, our technical director before the moment we, we say, well, that's just the youth soccer landscape or that's just youth soccer. Right. It's the moment almost to a certain extent. It's the moment I, I accept the fact that the referee made that comment mm-hmm. about the player. And I, and I told him, I said, listen, I'm never going to accept it. I'm never going to accept. I'm never going to continue to raise the bar. I, 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 that's not how I'm programmed. And that's just not how I think things should, things change. Right. I think my ultimate goal is to make soccer better for the, for my town, for my city, for my state, for the country, for the world. Right. Like if, if we all, if we're looking at it from that perspective, um, the moment I don't care about it or the moment it doesn't affect me, it's the moment I should no long, I should find something else to, to do because it's the moment I'm okay with the rejection. Yeah. I mean, at that point, aren't you jaded to the process then? And then if you're jaded to the process, how do you, how do you fulfill the dream? Right? Like, cause at some point you're just going to say, oh, well then it, then it is what it is what it is. Right? At that point, you're literally just doing it for the paycheck. Yeah. And which we all know that paycheck is not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're doing it for the paycheck, you definitely need to find a different job. <laughs> for sure. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think it's a really deep conversation that we could have for, for probably hours. Um, but it's a reason why, A, Mike is on the podcast, and B, why this podcast exists. Uh, because we have talked for an hour now uh, about soccer, yet I don't know entirely sure if we have actually talked about soccer. <laughs> oh, there it is. We've not talked about anybody scoring more goals than anybody else. That's true. Well, until now. <laughs> <laughs> Until we we're about to do the player of the match, we're gonna skip. Yeah, Champions League happened, Europa League happened, fun things happened. Uh, Philadelphia Union won, great, fantastic. Uh, but we're gonna move on to the player of the match. Um, all right, my player of the match is Cavani, for one reason and one reason only. It has nothing to do with Manchester United. I could care less about Manchester United. That's not. I don't. They like win or lose. It doesn't really affect me. Uh, the only ca- thing I care about is Boca Juniors. And the fact that there's a very strong rumor that Cavani might be going to Boca Juniors this summer, uh, the fact that he's scoring goals, and I'm hoping that he goes to Boca Juniors this summer, has got me really excited. So my my player of the match goes to Cavani because of my selfishness to want my team to win as many games as possible. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not it's not a money move. Definitely not a money move. You're going you going to Argentina is definitely not the money move. That's purely that's purely for the love of the game. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's my player of the match. Uh, Dwayne, what do you have? I was going to the uh, Toronto FC Gator. Have you seen that then? <laughs> no. no. There's a Gator that, I guess they're training in Florida. There's a Gator that came in during one of their training sessions and invaded their pitch. So it's like a minute video. You should see these like grown men like running from this Gator. I mean, <laughs> I would have run from the Gator too. But they're like taunting him, like trying to juggle, bounce the ball near him, and he like Hops up and starts moving around. They're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like 
There's so I don't know if Toronto FC is going to have any success this year or what their season looks like so far, but, you know, that Gator may be the, you know, maybe the tipping point. They just brought in, they just brought in a super, super uh, awesome Venezuelan player who is like 5'3". Saltado? Oh, yeah. So tell them, man, he is, I watched him play in the U17, like South American, uh, uh, like so, like the the World Cup qualifiers. I watched him play in the U seventeen South like World Cup qualifiers, and the kid was was no joke. Um, he he might he might be small, but the kid can play. He he knows how to use he knows how to play. Uh, being that small, he is he is legit. Well, you better watch out for that gator. <laughs> he, he probably looks like food. <laughs> Mike, I think Mike, I think I got I got a drill I got a drill for you for uh, for the fall. Bring a gate, bring a gator in. I'll try anything. Bring a bring a gator in. We'll we'll make a rondo with a gator. Either that or Dwayne and I will dress up as little gators and just run around. Passing under pressure. I'll take it. <laughs> that's yeah. that's real pressure right there. That's playing for your life. Literally playing for your life at that point. Uh Mike, you got a player of the match? Yeah. So I told that story earlier about the young lady who um who I think is one of the best players globally. And that is Zierra King, who's playing for OL Reign. Uh, yeah. She had a goal and an assist in their Challenge Cup game uh, earlier in the week. So uh, I'm going to go with the Z. Nice. Nice. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to do on this day in soccer history. I had two picked out, but I think I, I'm going to I'm going to do one of them um, just because of Dwayne. Uh, this one this one goes out to Dwayne because I know Dwayne will appreciate this. All right, so April 30th, 1982, doing a couple of years before you were born. Uh, a couple of years before you were born. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all right, April 30th. You're so young, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 1982, Bristol City. Do you know who was managing Bristol City at that time? This is one of your favorite coaches and also from one of your favorite teams now. Yeah, Roy Hodgson. Yeah, that's right. Uh he was uh, he was fired <laughs> that day. <laughs> first, hey, time, he, he was still getting fired in 1982. That was the first change. <laughs> that was the first time. That was the first time. That was the first time he was ever fired. Uh, he was coaching Bristol City, um, who uh, basically ended up um, were basically relegated to Division Three. Wow. Um. With six matches to go, <laughs> so uh, yeah, a little bit, a little, you know. So that was the first time he was, uh, first time he was sacked, as they as they say in England. Um, it, was, it was, I guess, it was only up from there, right? Yeah, he's a Crystal Palace now, right? Like, hey, that's. I think they're safe. So I think. Do you think him and Phil Foden are somehow related? Like, just the facial expression of just nothingness, just like always looking angry. Just never. <laughs> I mean, I've seen I've seen Crystal Palace score in the 90th minute, and Roy Hodgson just just there. He's like, "Hey, they cover the spread. That's what they're there. <laughs> That's success for them." Did we cover the? Did we cover the over or the under? There you go. Um, all right, fair play of the week this week. Um, mine goes out to athletic trainers. Uh, uh, it goes out to the athletic trainer Odessa. Uh, Miss Lydia, and then the athletic trainer at St. Mark's, who uh, who helped one of our players who got hurt on Wednesday. 
Um, so yeah, mine goes out to athletic trainers. Without you, uh, our lives would be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so mine mine goes out to athletic trainers. Dwayne, who's your? Favorite I was going to go out to my employer, Capital School District. Um, they're doing a great job throughout this time period, just being able to highlight different people and the things they do. So I was obviously one of the people that got highlighted last week, but they just reached out to me yesterday um, to highlight the soccer program I started at my school last week. So uh, we sent them some pictures. So hopefully that'll be going out very soon on social media just to, you know, it's going to grow the game, right, for the right reason. Like we're not doing this to not looking for the next superstar to go play club soccer. I'm not looking to find Mike. Hey, Mike, I got this diamond in the rough at East Dover Elementary School. He's five years old, but she's five years old. Can you offer her on the spot right now? Like, it's just doing it to get the kids, you know, that support outside of school, giving them something different. You know, it's been a tough year for the kids as well. So just giving them that opportunity as well. So shout out to my employer for letting me, one, have space to do this, and two, you know, be able to highlight it so that we could get more families involved in playing soccer. Good job, Dwayne. That's awesome. Mike. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go super broad here. And I'm just going to say all, all the people who have had a positive impact on the people around them over the course of this last calendar year, that's been so difficult for everybody. You know, I know I have a lot of respect for my, my players who I think have handled it as well as they, as well as they could have. And I think they're just amazing, amazing kids. And, uh, been there to pick each other up over the course of the last year when when people needed it. Uh, my staff, uh, who have been unbelievable, all the people who allowed us to get onto the field, our sports medicine staff, our administration, um, and then all and then all the coaches who have put in so much um, to try to make things work during a pandemic laden calendar year. Um, it's just been a really it's been a it's been a really long year for everybody. And I just don't think that that can go understated. So for everybody who got through it, you're doing a great job. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's good. Um, I, I always end up reflecting after you're on the podcast, Mike, and I just, again, just thank you for coming on. Uh, it's, it's always fun. To have you on, um, I feel like we end up in these deep conversations, which are always really cool to have. I'm glad we get to have them uh, in front of a microphone, uh, just because it allows us it allows it to live forever. Uh, so yeah. that way, when uh, when at some point I am older than Roy Hodgson and I retire from coaching soccer, uh, I uh, I can go back and listen to these things um, and think back to to 2020 2021. And this podcast that we started with with Dwayne and, and Anthony and and all the guests that we've had and all the episodes that you've been on, which I mean, you're probably close to double digits at this point. Maybe. I mean, we're we're close to we're close to our one year anniversary. So I think I think the goal is I'm gonna go back and figure out how many you've been on, but we gotta get you to double digits before the years before we get our one year mark. Um that's the goal. That's the I goal. Agree. And I don't think anybody's ever going to get as old as Roy Hodgson because I'm fairly certain that every time he does get fired, he gets cryogenically frozen until the next job comes along. So he's a national treasure, so they're just going to try to hold on to him. As long so as in he reality, he's only like 50. I think so. <laughs> I, I think so, actually. He's going to outlive all of us. He might. He might. 
I mean, he, that might be, he can manage some stress, dude. That a, that's got to be a stressful job. And then you're old and dirt. <laughs> like, it's gonna, different if you're coaching, like, you know, Manchester City. You can just put your feet up and, like, all right, these guys got it. But you're managing Crystal Palace. Like, you aren't that good. It's all right. He's going to be managing the first soccer team in space. <laughs> He's going to be soccer. SpaceXFC. <laughs> SpaceXFC. I like that. Oh, can we? Can we? Daniel, that? Can we Daniel Levy's that? about to thaw him out. <laughs> <laughs> can we? Can we? Uh, can we? Can we trademark that to make sure that it's uh, it, it's our SpaceX FC? That way, uh, before someone else takes it. In, in, all, in all seriousness, can we? Can we talk about who Tottenham's going to hire? Because I think Roy Hodgson might be their only option at this point, since everybody else that they've looked at is pretty much off the table. Well, right, yeah, Jesse Marsh, Marsh ended up taking uh, the Leipzig job. Yep. So, by the way, just let's just highlight that the fact that he's the first American coaching in one of the top five leagues in the in the, in the world. Was that well? Yeah. Bob well, Bradley. Bob Bradley at Swansea for a short a short period. He had that short stint at Swansea. Sh- yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, he got he got a raw deal there, but yeah, I mean it's it's a it makes sense for Jesse Marsh. I mean to be able to continue to move up within the Red Bull system and to go to a place where. You know, yeah, he, he's Red Bull all the way through, right? All, all the way through. And and to go to a place where you would think that it's going to be as seamless. It's never a seamless transition, but probably as seamless a transition as you can get. He's been there before. He was an assistant there yep. uh, before he went to Salzburg. And then, um, you know, he know you know, he's going to he knows some of the players there. He's going to be reunited with Tyler Adams, which I'm excited about from a U.S. national team perspective uh, is having somebody there who can really maximize that kid. Um, you know, that's and, and I'm curious to see who now makes the jump from Salzburg to Leipzig, because I would imagine that there's going to be a couple that he's going to try to bring with him. I'm wondering if he's going to try to bring Aronson with him. Yes, sir. That's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah. You know who's next? Yeah. Dwayne, I think I have our next plan. So uh, so the city group is a worldwide group. Uh, they have a uh, they have a team called Montevideo Torque which is in the Uruguay first division. Uh, that's, that's a part of the city group. I just say we go down there and, uh, and we try to, we try to, we try to work our way from there to pep. So don't, don't they have a team in Australia too? Aren't they part owners of Melbourne city? Yep. Yep. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to go down to Monte video. I don't, my Spanish is a good. I'll stick with NYCFC. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind living in Australia though. I'm gonna go to Australia and live All right, on fine, Mike. <laughs> Duane, Duane will just take the three-hour drive. You and I will go across the world, and we'll go to we'll go to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right there at Yankee Stadium, fellas. <laughs> Duane's oh, gonna Messi. Go, Duane's not even gonna go to a soccer-specific stadium. It's yeah, he's just gonna go to the baseball field. <laughs> I'm waiting for Messi. What are you guys talking about? Messi, Messi's gonna, gonna be waiting a long time, my friend, because yeah. he ain't going there. <laughs> yeah, you might go uh, there and watch a game at some point, maybe. But <laughs> you might see him on the stands. <laughs> be up there chilling with a Rod. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right. Well, uh, Mike, once again, thanks for thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, great, appreciate it. Great, great episode. Um, yeah. Um, well, I mean. We, we haven't even talked about social media, facebook.com slash Delaware union, Instagram at Delaware union soccer, Twitter at D E union soccer. 
Uh, like throw out that Instagram page with the good meal prep. Meal, the good meal prep. <laughs> Delaware W sock. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, it took me a while to figure out what they were actually doing. It was my sister who was like, you know why they do that? And I was like, no. And then I felt like a fool for messaging the, the, the account back. I'm assuming whoever, whoever was like, who's this idiot? Like, <laughs> um, I just told them Mike told me to do it. That's it. <laughs> Coach, Coach Mike said I could put my order in. <laughs> uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And as always, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.